Many of you know that, that I was an English major in college and taught literature for over 30 years, and so it should come as no surprise that I'm somebody who reads books. Um, that's not true of everybody anymore. Those of us who read books <coughs> are aware that although we love to know what is new and fresh, which writers have untold tales to tell, what books will freshly bring us to new experiences, we often return to reread the books we've loved in the past. Rereading is a different kind of pleasure. The Greek philosopher Heraclides is credited with the statement, you cannot step in the same river twice. So when we reread our favorite novel, it becomes in many ways, every time, a new story. You become reacquainted, you know what will happen, yet wish to experience the unfolding again, and always in a new way. New because you are different. Things have happened to you in the interim between reads, but the writing is in some way new too, simply because you already know on some level who these characters are, what will happen to them, how they will cope. The church, by plan or accident, understands the value of repetition and the value of coming to great events of the Gospels over and over. Every year, we become a different audience. We know already that the birth of Mary's first child results in a safe delivery. We know the boy Jesus will be precocious. We know that the 5,000 will not go hungry. Yet, we are hungry for the story again. If you've ever read aloud to children at bedtime and asked them what they want to hear, you'll know that something new is rarely the answer. And we must never forget that every year there are people who hear the story of the birth in Bethlehem for the first time. The passages we heard again today are familiar to most of us. So what can we learn anew? From the Hebrew prophet Micah comes the prediction that the one who will save and inspire the Jews will be from Bethlehem. For the writers who attempted to recreate a biography for Jesus sometime in the late first century, there were few resources to assist them. Bethlehem was a valuable piece of the biographical puzzle. And the letter to the Hebrews makes clear that God is not pleased with the people he's chosen as his special nation. They are obviously focused on themselves, their own rituals and hierarchies. God has tried to make things more simple, and the people have elaborated his worship into practices that overwhelm the basic message of creation. So God decided to spend some time with the Jews to model for them how a person ought to live and what ought to be important. And to be a convincing human being, God, following his own design, was born as a baby to a human woman. Anything else could not set a believable model. And in the third reading, we hear how God has set about becoming human. And this is a great story. We heard last Sunday how the archangel Gabriel appears to a young woman, Mary, to tell her that she will bear a holy child. Today we learn that she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth to share the news. The two women are excited, feel blessed because they're both pregnant. Both of their pregnancies have some unusual aspects. 
Mary's song of acceptance and obedience is famous beyond today's reading. It expresses the quintessential human response and thanks to God for special favor. The four Gospels all start from a different point. Matthew begins with the entire genealogy of the Jews from Abraham on to verify that Jesus via Joseph is of the house of David. Mark's gospel starts with the baptism of the adult Jesus by John the Baptist. When we reach John's gospel, written about 90 AD, the story begins with the creation, witnessed by Jesus, eons before the humanizing events of Bethlehem. But Luke, as we heard last Sunday, begins with the event that brought God into human form, the visit of an archangel to Mary. And it is this story that opens for the church the whole idea of celebrating Christmas, the miracle transformation of God to human through human birth. We wish we could know more about Jesus' life, from that visit of the archangel in the story of Bethlehem until his baptism. We do know that Jesus visited Jerusalem for his teenage ceremony, which we now call Bar Mitzvah. That's about all we have. But today, we are at the beginning of the story. To truly know about a person, we would like to hear from that person's mother and spouse and teacher and fellow worker, best friend, children, neighbors, caretakers. We need different views. We need different views of Jesus and his activities and conversations. Even with the overlaps of events in different gospels, we don't know anywhere close to all that we'd like to know. There continue to be hundreds of questions that we Christians of the 21st century would love to have answers for. The Christian Bible tries to give us a variety of views, but they're not enough. Our hope at Christmas is to understand the despair felt by the people of Jesus' time, and then to hear again from a prophet, from an archangel, from the predictions of voices centuries old, that a divine gift, God becoming human, is to be among us and teach us the truths of creation and the creator. It's a story we need to hear. We are all in some way enslaved, not by the Romans, but by other powers. We're all still practicing habitual rituals that our creator did not intend for us. God's not pleased by what people have done. We're caught up in selfishness and fear. We need to know all over again that the creator of the universe will come among us and teach us what we should have known from the beginning, that God loves us and that our responsibility is to love the creator and all other parts of creation as much as we care for ourselves. Now that... It's a story we all need to read over and over again. Amen.